0: Welcome to the j and Connection Podcast. I'm Jesse.
1: And I'm Jordan. Today, we will be talking to our friend, Logan. Hi. And what it's like being a sci-fi author, molecular biologist, and a business owner.
0: Fact of the day, a fabulously wealthy man of noble birth... Tycho Brahe once owned roughly 1% of all the money in Denmark, and often elected to use his personal treasury to fund some rather unusual projects. For instance, after losing his nose in a duel while intoxicated in 1566, Brahe purchased a replacement made of a gold-silver alloy rather than a more conventional wax. He also hired a dwarf named Jep, who he believed to be clairvoyant, which is future-seeing, as his jester, and asked him to eat under the table during each meal. And he also theorized the solar system as we know it today.
2: Of course.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah of
1: course. S1 does.
2: That, I mean, that's really what like some of the early like scientists were all like. They were all like very eccentric rich men with incredibly weird hobbies. Yeah. And they just like they just looked at stuff, they made observations and figured out like how the universe works. It's nuts.
1: Yeah, yeah, another thing, I guess I a little bit past that time period, I read a book. Uh, so I'm an expert obviously. But um, a lot of the generals were al- also the aristocrats and uh, but on top of being generals and aristocrats, they were also like poets and they were the, they were the ones mainly who wrote during that time period. So a lot of these people, like you, their names come up in a bunch of different uh, things. So it's kind of funny they just kind of did it all.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have the money and you know, the world is small back then, so make a name for yourself pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> Logan, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh,
0: so you actually you're a, a listener, and you actually reached out to us to be on here, and we gladly accepted um we feel your credentials they're they're enough to make it on our extravagant (laughs) podcast (laughs) um so logan uh we went we we went to the same school like all of our other guests Um, yeah that's correct why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself
2: um yeah so my name is logan um i went to high school with you guys uh i was good friends with uh jesse's brother Mm jaron and uh you know grew up Uh, Doing running and all that. Um, And then I went off to college uh, at Pitt, where I studied molecular biology. And did some uh, sort of different kind of research experiences there. And then um, had originally thought of going, like, the PhD route, like Jordan is doing. Mm -hmm. um, But decided to just sort of jump into the job market. And I... uh, Worked in a research lab for about four years as like a researcher slash lab manager. Then went to a commercial lab for a little bit, and now I'm in a hospital clinical uh, genomics laboratory. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and I also do some uh, writing and art and stuff on the side.
0: So you said you jumped right into. Uh, I'm gonna jump right into this first thing that you there you, we se- go. you sent <laughs> us. Um let me see if I can find the article you so you work for a guy yeah and he's being charged with a pretty hefty fine mm-hmm. of hundred and twenty seven million dollars
2: <laughs> that is correct
0: how how did how did that happen?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I'll just go through the whole story there so as I said, I was in a research lab and you know, that was all well and good for a number of years, and I wanted to sort of just, you know, make a move, mm-hmm. um, and I knew that, you know, going to, like, a commercial lab where you were testing, like, real human specimens um, clearly had more money-making potential, mm-hmm. um, and I was naively looking for something that was a little more routine than what I was doing, um, and I thought this place would be a good fit, um, So the lab was called MHS Labs um, out in Monroeville. And so I got a job there as a molecular technologist. Mm -hmm. And this was a uh, sort of a standard like clinical uh, testing laboratory. They did like your routine like blood tests and urinalysis and, um, you know, like cultures for infections and things like that. Mm -hmm. And... They brought me on saying, um, you know, we want to get this this whole line of molecular testing up and running. And, you know, you're the guy for it. And we're going to give you all these raises when you get these tests validated and stuff. And um, so, you know, it all sounded great. They were saying, like, all this nice stuff. And then I show up for the job. And essentially, these people had purchased just, like, the best instrument for, you know, molecular infectious disease testing. Hmm. You know, sort of just the top of the line, most expensive thing. Hmm. And they were expecting me to show up within like two weeks and just turn it on and start going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you can do this, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So when in reality, it's, you know, it's a very specialized and... Or not 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 even specialized. A very sophisticated and um, I don't know what the word is. It's sort of universal. You can do you can do lots of things with it, oh, and hmm. that requires customization on the the um, the lab's end. Hmm. And so they basically handed me a list of uh, pathogens that they wanted to test for. It was about like 140 different pathogens, mm. and uh, they thought I'd be able to validate and get up and running like PCR-based assays for that within three months, mm. which was just absurd. Um, so it was, it was kind of like rocky from the get-go, um, and for the first, I guess, like six months that I was there, like, that was just it, like me just like trying to keep my head above water, mm. um, trying to keep up with these ridiculous demands. And I knew like there was like some like sketchy stuff going on like the previous owner of the lab had been implicated in some kind of like overprescribing like painkiller thing mm-hmm. but then they sold the company to a new person and so I figured it was all good. <laughs> and so you know the people there start to like me and they um they're they're trying to grow the business. And they ask if I know anyone that wants to come work there. So I suggest uh, that my now-wife, Lauren, come work um, at the company. She had some experience in like medical billing. Mm-hmm. So they brought her on as a billing coordinator, and she got a first-hand look at some of this stuff that's going on in that article I sent you.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> Essentially, um, the scheme was... They, so the, the the guy being charged, he owned two labs, the lab I was working at, and another lab over in Shadyside um, that was actually doing, they actually had some molecular tests up and running. And a couple of these molecular tests, they were doing sort of like telemedicine, but not in like the way that you see it now, where it's like, you know, you set it up and, and have a, a nice call with your doctor, it's like... The doctor was just calling like senior citizens and sometimes not even a doctor, just like a salesperson Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, do you want this? They would say, do you want this free cancer screening? And they weren't technically lying because, you know, if you're a Medicare recipient, it's -hmm. probably going to be free. It's going to be covered. Mm. But they were charging Medicare about $14,000 for some of these tests. Yeah, um, so, uh, so Lauren, she was my fiance at the time, and we're married now, um, she sort of saw these things here and there, and, like, talked to, you know, angry people on the phone and stuff, but, like, didn't have enough of the details to figure out that this was, like, really a bad thing. Uh Um, so she just quit, like, she said, you know, I don't like it here, I don't like my boss, um. So she quit. I stayed on. That made things weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they liked me enough, so they kept, like, giving me raises and, and, you know, keeping me busy.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And then, so things were going pretty well. Like, I got some tests, like, up and running. We were starting to actually be, like, a competent molecular laboratory. Mm. Um, And then it was, I think, right before Thanksgiving of... This uh, last year, Mm -hmm. um, like I was just getting ready to leave and one of like the VPs like comes in and like pulls everyone into a meeting and he's like, hey, the CEO has been named in a criminal complaint, blah, blah, blah. And um, they just kind of (laughs) like send us home with that information. And so like I was able to research and find out about it. Um, Obviously, like, it, it wasn't a surprise at all. Like, I was like, of course, something like this had to be coming because they were also just like printing money there, like giving me raises, like Aww. all the time. Um, you know, just remodeling things that didn't need remodeled. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Like, yeah. So like,
2: and uh, yeah.
0: I was going to say, so like laundering money almost.
2: I think that's kind of it. Like, there were definitely signs that, you know, at least the CEO and, like, some of the other upper management must have known that this, like, charge was coming. Mm. Like, Mm. they knew they were caught, so they were just, like, spending the money as fast as they could because they were going to lose it. Right. Um, So, yeah, and then, like, the day after that, like, the guy's um, lawyer came in and talked to us, and it was, like, one of, like the most annoying things ever he's like hey we you know we wanted to just like let you guys know that everything's gonna be okay you don't have to worry you know just just go go enjoy your holiday and stuff and like didn't actually say anything Mm. suggesting that it would actually be okay (laughs) um and so i just kind of like hang around for like another week and just keep like trying to like ask like questions about, like, what's going to happen, and just, like, getting, they basically just kept saying, like, oh, we're going to have a big meeting and, like, talk about all that stuff, and eventually they had that meeting, and the CEO, like, actually showed his face, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, I was the only person that asked questions there, um, raised my hand several times, it was fun, um, you know, the, the one I remember I asked him was, um, I said, like, you know, clearly, like, this is a huge thing. Like, you are being charged in it, but obviously, like, other people that work here were involved. Mm. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, so, like, what's happening? Like, what changes are being made to the the management staff? And he's like, nothing. We're going to just do better in the future. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I... I left that meeting, went back to my desk for a minute, printed out a resignation, <laughs> and then walked... <laughs> I walked to my boss's office, and the door was closed, and I walk up, and I hear them inside talking about the questions that I had just asked. <laughs> it's like, who is this guy? <laughs> at that meeting. And then, uh, you know, someone came out, the door opened, and I was just like, I quit. And <laughs> I the paper know. and walked out. Um And never looked back. Yeah. Good for you. (laughs)
1: Thanks. It was a
2: stressful time for sure.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a wild ride. Although that does sound like the dream. You just show up and they're like, all right, you run it. Here's money. Like that. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah. After having worked in a lab uh, for a year, that's that's definitely a, like, that was a way better scenario than... I dealt with, but obviously, you know, the company didn't
2: fold whenever I left. (laughs) Um, Yeah, surprisingly, like, the company still exists. Um, So the guy, like, pled guilty, agreed to pay back, like, $77 million or something. Mm -hmm. And then I don't think he's been, like, sentenced yet. So he's, like, out on bail and, like, still running the company. And they were actually doing um, COVID testing, Recently, and they were like on the news, like talking about how they they could have the capacity to do a thousand tests a day and stuff mm. and it's just all like they're just trying to you know get what they can before it's all over,
1: yeah yeah but out of out of nerdy curiosity, what was the instrument you were in charge of in charge of
2: um so at that place, it was a um quant studio 12k flex.
0: What in the world is that? (laughs) Uh,
2: It's a real time PCR thermal cycler. (laughs) So essentially, um, I don't know if you've ever heard heard of PCR. It's just the process of amplifying DNA to identify what's in it. Oh, Okay. Um, And it real time PCR incorporates like fluorescent dyes. And so this instrument is oh, wow. doing the PCR reaction and essentially taking pictures of the reaction wells to see um colorimetric changes mm-hmm. um to indicate whether the the target is in there or not.
0: Jeez.
1: So so if you're That's... looking for a piece of DNA and you put one of these dyes on it and then shine a light on it you'd be able to see whether or not that DNA was present, right?
2: Yeah, essentially, and all that right. and the way it's set up is that okay. dye is the byproduct of an amplification reaction. Mm. Um, so it's mm. it's basically what you said with just a little more complexity. Right.
1: Yeah. I de- I definitely don't under I <laughs> I'm trying to grasp on
2: anything I can,
1: re- I can get, but uh. That's all right. <laughs> it's gonna.
2: I, I I wouldn't be able to hold my own in in your your field either. Oh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's been a while since I did biochem. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, what made you want to <laughs> study biology?
2: Um, I always just really liked science. Um, basically, it, like every avenue of science, I found interesting to a different degree. Um, so, I had that decision to make, like in high school, which is kind of crazy that you know everything you're going to do for the rest of your life <laughs> is kind of dependent on like how you're feeling. Like mm. the summer before your senior year. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, I kinda like bounced around to different things. Like I liked like physics and astronomy a lot, mm. but I w I didn't want to do like a lot of math. And then I was interested in like um uh like meteorology, atmospheric science kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like then I was like intimidated by like too many like computer models and things like that, <laughs> so so I went to like the hard sciences. Um, it was like down to like biology and chemistry, and um, I really liked chemistry first. Uh, but I think I asked myself like a pretty like mature question for that age, and it was, you know, if I'm going to do something particularly in research, like which of those fields did I think was going to have the biggest breakthroughs in my lifetime? And, you know, you can kind of go wild imagining all the things that can come out of the biology track right. in terms of, like, curing human disease and and things like that. Um, and maybe my understanding of chemistry wasn't um, advanced enough to really imagine those possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of what sent me down there.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely biochem and... Uh... The uh, anything that has to do with health really is just exploding nowadays, like so many new startups, a lot of people moving in between them, uh, sort of, there's a lot of problems to deal with. So basically as a, a, a feel, it must feel good to like, you, you get to sort of take your pick as what problem you want to try to solve. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What age were you when you said you, uh, you asked that, uh, that question to yourself of which, uh, which direction do you think, uh, crap? Yeah, um, (laughs) the probably like,
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh, probably like seventeen. Like this was like, I I I had had, like picked my major and stuff before I went to college.
0: See, I I didn't do that, (laughs) and that's fine (laughs) too. But but my 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 thought was whenever I was like going for like a a digital media design at first Mm -hmm. was like when people would say or my one professor uh, in one of my art classes she was like. You know, a lot of these robots are taking jobs, but a robot can't make art, so they're always going to need an artist.
2: That's a really good point, actually.
0: Yeah, that, that, like. that made me feel kind of good, but it's like at the same time, uh, there's there's a um uh a uh, what is it? A layout called the golden rule, and it's mm-hmm. just like the rule of thirds, pretty much. And so robots can get pretty close to making something look really nice. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not that hard.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it lacks spirit, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know. Speaking of... Oh, go ahead.
2: Uh, I was just going to say something along the lines of uh, uh, robots and automation. I saw an ad. It popped up on my Facebook timeline, and it was an ad for, uh, like, robotic... Uh, like cooking robots.
0: Mm. I've seen. And I've it seen... said,
2: "Yeah, it said your new fry cook makes three dollars an hour and never goes home." And it's like, <laughs> "Well, yeah, like how can you compete with that?" <laughs> and why are you oh, paying it? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's just like the cost of owning it. Right. Like they probably like calculated it out. But yeah, it's crazy to think about how many jobs are just gonna be lost to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And speaking
0: of robots and mm-hmm. other stuff, you also have a blog. I don't know if I, I was creeped on your Facebook profile the other day. Yeah, that's all right. I don't know if you still keep up with the blog. Is it Sa- Sci-Fi Saturdays?
2: Yeah, Sci-Fi Saturdays. Um, I kind of do. Like I um, basically post to it whenever I have a new short story. And I, I write those just like as ideas pop into my head. Mm-hmm. Um and I sometimes like throw in other things there like uh, movie reviews and just like random uh, little musings. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually in the process of because I, I got a good bit of stories on there, maybe like 10 or 12. Um, so I'm in the process of compiling those together into like a little collection. Um, and the plan is I don't know if it's gonna like work out, but I'm gonna try to publish it as like a free ebook. Oh that's um, be cool. and like let it be out there free for a while and then maybe publish it as a paperback. Mm-hmm. Um just to get a couple bucks out of it.
1: So what made you wanted to start that uh that blog?
2: Um, just like sort of an abundance of ideas that I knew I was never gonna turn into like a full length novel or anything. Hmm, okay. Um Yeah, I just kind of, um, have my little, like, Saturday morning ritual where I, for whatever reason, I always just wake up stupid early (laughs) and (laughs) hang out and, like, make a good breakfast, have my coffee, and just, like, daydream for a little while, Mm -hmm. um, and that definitely, like, helps with creativity, and a lot of times I'll just think something up and just spit it out as, like, a little 2,000-word story, and, uh then just move on, you know, leave it behind.
0: So when you're writing, um, do you have to think of the whole story before you start writing, or do you just think of, like, a part of it and then branch off of that?
2: um, Yeah, definitely, like, usually it starts with a premise. Um, You know, like, for instance, like, I have uh, one of those short stories is about Um, a city that exists exclusively in like augmented reality like you Mm -hmm. can't come in without wearing a headset and like seeing a digital version of everything Mm -hmm. around you Mm -hmm. and I just thought that was a cool idea and then you know it just stayed in that idea phase for a little bit and then you know I had an idea of like one interesting thing that could happen Mm -hmm. Um, and then that was enough to just write that, and then build a story around it.
1: So what would you say, like, the, theme, the general themes of the stories are? Or are they sort of all, all over the place?
2: Um, it's all, you know, very, like, speculative sci-fi. Um, I do try to go for, like, hard science fiction, where it's things that potentially could happen mm. in, in some type of present or future... Um, I don't really get into like fantasy that much yet, mm. um but we'll see <laughs> um, and yeah I think it's it's just things that um I think are are interesting to look forward to in the future, but pointing out um you know flaws and and things that could go wrong with them mm. yeah um, you know that's how you have to create conflict somehow almost yeah. like
0: the simpsons do somehow predicting the future of a lot of situations <laughs> in the
2: yeah i mean that's, that's you just have to take the simpsons approach and just you know crank out 400 stories and eventually some of them will be right
0: yeah just, just fi- find the similarities
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: so so, when so you, oh.
1: well, sorry i i again have to take this to the nerd zone but um what it What are your thoughts on CRISPR? I know that's sort of an out there question, Uh, CRISPR being the uh, technology you need to edit human DNA, or any animal DNA, or any organism DNA. Uh, I'm sure, has that ever been a theme in one of your stories, and have you put a lot of thought, because you're probably a lot more familiar with that technology. Like, I sort of know what it sort of is, but you probably have a much more in-depth
2: yeah so if you want to talk technical before we talk um, ethical um, I actually did CRISPR uh, basically on a daily basis in my research lab okay Um, so we worked on um, a model organism called C. elegans which Mm -hmm. is a microscopic worm it's about two millimeters long Um, and it's transparent, and so the lab I was in was interested in um, meiosis and DNA repair, Mm -hmm. and uh, looking at these worms under the microscope, you can actually see their germline and see um, oocytes developing in real time, just looking at the animal. Egg cells? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I try. I always,
1: I, I, definitely talk way above. Um, I just use jargon all the time, so I have to.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, it happens <laughs> for,
1: for sure. So, what are the um, ethical concerns as far as CRISPR goes? Now that we've gone through the technical portion.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously like the sticker shock of. You know, editing human DNA and all of the things that that could lead to, um, particularly, you know, you start thinking of eugenics and mm. picking mm. out favorable traits, and um, you know, there's some some very bad history um, with that word. Mm. And mm. Um, what I have typically focus on when I discuss this is the limitations that there are right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. If you want to um, edit a person using CRISPR, you have to do it at the very early embryo stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, There has been the Chinese scientist who has successfully done this. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you have to do IVF and then um, inject that, um, that mixture of, of CRISPR reagents um, within the first couple of divisions. Mm-hmm. Because you have to edit every single cell in the body, you know if you're working with eight mm-hmm. cells, you might be able to do that um and you might only hit seven of them or something, and then your skin won't will be a different uh gene than the rest of your body right, right. um so you know people are people think of genetic engineering and they think of you know injecting something into your arm and then you know, curing your disease. Um, That's the biggest hurdle right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If you want to use this uh, to treat disease, is you have to target it to where it's needed, um, and you have to get it to edit every single cell that you want to. And frankly, the efficiency, even once everything gets into a cell, isn't that great. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have any specific numbers, but... um, just because you you get the treatment where it needs to go, it might not work. Um, so I think that's where our efforts should lie: mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. being able to correct genetic disease um, at that embryo level. Um, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. And um, you know, potentially doing targeted therapies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope that people aren't vain enough to create a market for the so-called designer babies mm-hmm. um so you know that's that's all i can say on the matter is i i hope um that that market doesn't materialize because if it does um then we may go there
1: yeah i i tend to be really pessimistic about these kinds of things i just think like it, all the all the arguments about um, it curing diseases, uh, g- uh, genetic diseases, like I'm completely on board, and I I I hope that that becomes the capacity for CRISPR. But I hope that's the only capacity. Even though I know for sure, it, it, something something in my mind tells me that we as humans, as soon as we get the ability to change something like that, it's just you know it's people are going to look for ways to capitalize on it um, for money reasons and then it's just i'm pessimistic and out of all the out of all the advances in science i think this one is particularly worrying to me
0: Yeah. see my mind immediately went to like a super soldier like if you were if you end up mm-hmm. like um, mm-hmm. editing someone's dna the military might try to u- use it and just make a super human
1: Mhm. Yeah, I, mean, I I we're definitely a long way out yeah, from yeah, that. Yeah. But I I am yeah, I I would you know, maybe maybe not in America or something, but um there might be at some point some other some um country that's less less bound by rules to do something like that
2: and uh
1: yeah. <laughs> Just tra- worrying, worrying. <laughs>
2: Um, so we, we wanted to investigate, um, a lot of different genes that could potentially be involved in those processes, Mm -hmm. and the best way to do that is to just delete it. And, um, I started in this lab at a time where, um, a couple groups really figured out the best way to do that in these worms, um, Mm -hmm. and it was by microinjection, so I would actually take these two millimeter long worms um, and suspend them on a little like auger pad. It was basically like gelatin. Um, So they were immobilized um, and take a a mixture of the CRISPR reagents, which is um, an enzyme called Cas9 that cuts DNA. And then these guide RNAs, which are specific to the gene you want to edit. So I take a mixture of those and inject it directly into uh, the germline of those worms, and then uh, some of the babies that would come out if the if it was successful would um, have that mutation that I wanted mm.
0: what, yeah. what was the mutation?
2: Uh, it was a lot of them, so um, the lab had done like some just sort of broad screens um, looking for genes that either had some like sequence and structural similarity to what they were already studying, or they saw some evidence that they might be interacting with some of the same uh, proteins that they were studying, and there was no mutation sort of cataloged. Um, So, and that was sort of interesting for me to, to dive into a project where nothing was really known. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a mutation in a gene that no one had studied before. Um, Mm -hmm. So I took those projects on very eagerly um, and did quite a few of them. So, so
0: no no one was trying to turn it, um, make a two headed worm. (laughs) No, no, we made (laughs) some.
2: We made some fairly messed up stuff, but uh, yeah, definitely no no two-headed ones that I've ever seen. Dang it. (laughs) The search continues. The search continues. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to um, delve into uh, more of, well, actually, since we were talking about writing earlier, you wrote a book.
2: I did, yeah.
0: Called Luca.
2: Luca. L-U-C-A.
0: What is that all about?
2: So, Luca is uh, my first novel, uh, and it revolves around what I think is the most interesting question um, in all of science, actually. And that question is, how did life on Earth begin?
0: Oh, man, I have so many theories. (laughs) 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 Okay.
2: And if you take, you know, if you rule out any supernatural... Um, You know, if you you take religion out of the equation, the most commonly accepted theory is that there was this primordial soup of all these amino acids and nucleic acids and and proteins, and they formed together to be a single-celled organism that knew how to divide, and it kept dividing and dividing, and then evolution started happening, and it diverged, and... You know, you go from there. Mm. And so in my book, um, it's set about 300 years into the future, and that question sort of still stands. Um, No one has really, you know, succeeded in definitively saying that, yes, that's how it happened. Mm. Um, And the problem that um, the main character, Daniel, has is that if you know we've we've figured out you know all of biology, we understand everything so well, we can say that life started as this single cell. Then why can't we just do it? Why can't you put it into a test tube in the right concentrations and just pop generate life from non-life? Mm. And yet that's impossible. Um, so Daniel wants to do that experiment that's his life goal is to make that happen and if he can't then you know his question is answered um but he tries to go you know he's a brilliant scientist all these publications he's super successful and no one will fund this research Mm -hmm. um so he kind of has to go rogue um and things get a little exciting as he Mm -hmm. Uh, tries to do his own experiments and figure that out. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. That's awesome. So, Do you... I, I want to talk about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> we can get there. <laughs> I, I, have, I have it written down, and I've been wanting to talk about aliens for so long. And when you said sci-fi, I was like, might be the perfect time to do it.
2: We can go there, absolutely.
0: So, like, taking... Re- I'm going to go back to your, the almost what your book is kind of about. Um, but as far as how did we end up here on earth, taking religion and stuff out of, out of it was, I believe we are the aliens,
2: you know, that's a very real possibility. So when you say we are the aliens, do you think we, as in homo sapiens arrived here or we, as in living things arrived here?
0: So it, and it could be both. The easier way to, for me to explain it is um, he, humans uh, he, humo sapi- What did you say? Humans, Homo sapiens. I can't talk. Oh, homo, homo sapiens. Homo sapiens. <laughs> my God, I can't talk. Um, no, but uh, so my my theory was like, okay, so we see the ancients like have these weird scriptures, and st- I watched a lot of Ancient Aliens. Um, I've seen they it. They talk about dragons and things flying in the air. They. They had no way of describing these flying beings, you know, like planes and whatnot, is how I I viewed it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're just the image of God, we're the image of them, so we kind of resemble them. And my other thought was, well, if you want to explain a little green man uh, with big eyes, they live on another planet where they have heavier gravity and their pigment of their skin is just something with the atmosphere and as far as the big eyes is their their sun is really close and it's really bright outside all the time and that's just how they evolved (laughs) wouldn't
1: you want smaller eyes because they're so if you think about your pupils if you get a light shined in them they get really small to let little light a little bit of light in so it doesn't burn your retinas so if they had really big eyes it would probably be because it's really dark all the time
0: I'm not looking for plot holes. All right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we we were put here by them to maybe evolve in some way, shape or form, I don't know, to do something for them eventually. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean anything's a possibility and the the tricky part when you try to go back through history is that, you know, nothing none of that exists anymore. If you're talking you know, hundreds of millions to billions of years ago, there's no way you can possibly get an accurate picture of what was going on on this planet back then.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And Jordan doesn't like to entertain the thought of aliens. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am open to, uh, well, um, what do I want to say? If, if science can explain it, I'm willing to entertain it. <laughs> I, like, for me, a lot of... I sort of understand science through this lens of, like... Uh, it Things happening eventually. And, like, you know, because, like... The the Earth at one point was just this big molten ball of rock and metal and stuff like that. And then after a while it cools down and then, uh, you know as it shifts around, you start getting mountains and like that all happens over the course of how old's the earth? Four and a half billion years. Mm-hmm. So it, it happens over such a long time period that I, I, it, it would be hard for me to sort of quantify it, but I am certain that, um, given enough time, uh, something as simple as amino acids sitting in some water could eventually form and uh take the form we know today like i i i feel like it's hard to comprehend how much time has passed in the history of the earth and so i'm i i could i can entertain the thought that uh life sprung forth uh spontaneously
0: what's your uh, thought on um a simulation logan
2: so i watched um this show, it was a mini-series on Hulu called Devs. Have you guys ever heard of it?
0: I don't think I have. I've heard of it, never watched it.
2: Well, so they're... I'll try to avoid spoilers, but essentially at one point they they create a simulation of the universe as it is. Like, they're all about, you know, sort of big computing, and they they manage to compute the universe. Mm. And so (laughs) if you think about that, if you've created a simulation of the universe and in your simulation they've created a simulation of the universe then you are in a simulation there's no you can't deny that you you can't prove that you're the first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in in that case like i think it gets i think it's less likely now that you know there's no evidence that like a simulation, exi- like that can exist. Mm-hmm. Like, but one day we may get there. Right. And it's tricky. It's whether you know. And then when we get to that point, did we turn the sim? Did we turn the universe into a simulation, or was it like that all along? Hmm. Hmm. I think I'm living in the real world right now, <laughs> but it's terrifying to think about.
0: My um, when I was in uh going to Penn State, my astronomy teacher showed us a video of them simulating a uh, a spiral galaxy, mm-hmm. and he was talking about like they like trying to figure out how the universe was created and whatnot, and so they. What they do, they put all the it was like a if you could imagine, like a three dimensional box, and with like how I forget, thousands of little elements being put inside, or different numbers for things to interact with each other. And they ended up making a, a perfect simulation of a spiral galaxy. Hmm. And so, just thinking of that, it's like that's the first kind of step. Towards something like that. Mm -hmm.
1: So I want to. I actually want to take it a little bit back to writing. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was gonna go there too. (laughs) Go ahead.
1: Um. So I wanted. What impact are you trying to make with your writing? Like, what, what, who are you trying to reach, and uh, sort of what are you, what, whenever they read your book, what, um, what do you want them to take away with it?
2: I think I'm just trying to put ideas forward um i sort of got into a a kick a few years back like before i started writing like i just took a really deep dive into Mm sci-fi and just you know there there are only so many ideas and and a lot of things get rehashed but they (laughs) sorry my wife had to let the dog out of the room. No problem. And it's a very uh, squeaky door. No problem. So gives me a nice opportunity to restart that thought. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I think I want to put just new ideas forward because I was that person just kind of, you know, exploring this genre of sci-fi, and I just wanted to keep going. Like, I just wanted to keep um, putting sort of new possibilities into my brain and just living that for a second and just feeling what it's like to have a really believable um, alternate reality or a very believable future. Mm. Um, So that's definitely what I'm trying to do is to to create something that's fairly believable, um, something that's inspiring, that shows that you know, humanity can do impressive things Mm -hmm. um, while at the same time trying to entertain with um, something horrible going wrong with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that's, that's sort of, I don't think too much about what you know, what sort of impact it might have. I think I'm just trying to Explore new ideas as best I can.
1: Mm.
0: Do you have a Do you have a favorite uh, sci-fi story? That.
2: Um, yeah, my favorite book and my favorite author, um, Arthur C. Clarke. Um, trying to think of what his most so his most like famous work. Um, he co-wrote 2001: um, A Space Odyssey. Um, which obviously is a movie, but there was a, a novel that he wrote like alongside it, mm-hmm. um, and he is just kind of this like sort of dry, like speculative fiction kind of guy. Like his stories are about the premise and about the the aliens or the unique thing that's happening, and the characters are sort of just along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Um, and my favorite book of his is called Rendezvous with Rama, and it's about a, um, essentially an ancient alien spaceship that just suddenly, um, enters our solar system, and, you know, there's nothing, no, no ships coming out of it, it's not like a mothership, there's no signs of life or anything it's just like ancient and dead looking and they know that it's just going to pass right through our solar system and be gone forever Mm. so the story is about this crew just making one attempt to land on it go inside um and just learning as much as they can about this ancient alien civilization before they're gone forever
1: Hmm.
0: that'd be really interesting yeah
2: I, it's so cool to think about
0: i'm not hundred percent that's how we would handle a situation like that today <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: i think it was written back in the 70s so
0: oh man uh so you i also saw you wrote a, a blog and you just mentioned 2001 space odyssey
2: mm-hmm.
0: you you've seen it right that the actual movie yeah along with yeah, absolutely it? okay this is just I'm gonna keep this part short there's something I don't understand in that movie okay what is the see her remember it what, what is the deal with that uh, that rectangle block thing
2: the obelisk yeah, what, or the yeah I think that's what what it's referred to as in the book um what
0: was that so
2: I think the best interpretation is that it's um like you I mean this is basically what you said in your, your alien hypothesis, Jesse, is that the obelisk is like uh, a teaching device. It shows up at critical junctures in human history to basically help them to the next step. So Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie, you have, um, these apes Mm -hmm. that, you know, are just feuding with each other. It shows up and they learn to use tools to win. And then it go the, the obelisk just is on the moon after that, waiting for humanity to get to the point where they can go find it. Because when they reach that, when they reach space flight, then they're ready for the next level of uh, humanity's existence, hmm. which um, I think the story kind of leaves open-ended as to what that is.
0: But they—they they never. I mean,
2: obviously, it's a giant space fetus. <laughs> but... <laughs> but
0: they never mentioned
2: not having not having watched this movie. I think it's it's, it's...
0: <laughs> it's extremely long, isn't that... it?
2: Yeah, it is. We um, they did a re-release of it at the science center, uh-huh. and it had an intermission. I've never been to a movie that had an intermission. <laughs> like we got up and went to the bathroom in the middle. Mm. That's
0: awesome. I remember I had to watch that at um a community college for a film class
2: mm-hmm. and I was
0: watching it and I wanted to love it but I was like I have no idea what's happening right now <laughs> and it's so I don't not to crap on the movie but it was it was boring I thought
2: <laughs> Yeah it, it's very much like a genre movie like but it, it was the groundbreaking like special effects for the time yeah. and uh just just being artsy and and all that.
0: Maybe I should go back and watch it now that I understand what that block is.
2: <laughs> well, I, th- I
1: think the key thing you said before was let they're along for the ride. It, like I think it's yeah. interesting how people can sort of just you know if we just discovered the, the space travel tomorrow, like what things would happen after that. And I think there's a lot of use in just thinking through without any any other element change, like no severe change in human behavior like everybody becomes you know mad max or everyone becomes utopian i think there's a lot of uh productive thought then that can come out of just like thinking okay if we had space travel tomorrow what what sort of things would we expect to happen
0: mm. oh boy. so we have one more thing on this list i want to hit yes you also have um is it a business on the side
2: yeah, so, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just explain it. So, uh, my wife and I made a little art business called Couples by Design, mm-hmm. and um, that was sort of inspired, we were actually at um, a little, like, art and music festival in West Virginia, and I had a table there selling my book, and there was this one instance where this couple came up and we're like chatting with us about the book and um my wife was there i think we were just dating at the time and like we just used our like cute couple energy to make a sale <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> to this other couple and um we just sort of realized that we we like that um sort of interaction with people like we like going and selling things and being in front of people and um you know she's really into art. She's also a writer. she's working on um, a fantasy novel. Um, she's building a fantastic world of dragons um, that'll be that'll be out someday. <laughs> and um, she also dabbles in different kinds of art. So we had known that we wanted to do like something creative. Um, With our spare time and, you know, potentially to to turn into like a side gig. Um, And yeah, at this event, we came up with this idea of um, just putting together the ideal couple that you've always wanted to see. So, especially in anime, Mm -hmm. um, there's a term called shipping, uh, which is just fantasizing two characters together whether the show puts them together or not
0: okay
2: and so we wanted to create um something for those people who don't get to see you know the couple that they love end up together so um my wife got hard at work um she got really good at uh digital art um creating just as many um like popular characters as possible in her own, like, chibi art style. Mm -hmm. And we figured out a method of um, printing those onto wooden half-hearts that get held together with little wooden pegs. Um, And so you pick out uh, two different characters and you just put them together yourselves and it creates, like, a nice little display piece. That's really cool. Um, So yeah so she does all of the artwork um we uh neither of us had ever done any woodworking before so that's been a learning experience we're getting a little bit better at it every day um and yeah it's just been fun to to try something new try to build a business out of it um right now things are very dead because of uh the pandemic of the world um we had a couple um events scheduled we were going to do um Steel City Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. We spent quite a bit to get a table there. Um and they like postponed it and then canceled, but they still have our money. <laughs> so I think they're going to like try to reschedule us for a later date. Okay. But it's hard to know if like people are going to show up to things like that and if you know, with the economy people aren't spending a lot of money, so right. mm-hmm. um we're kind of like hunkering down and like building up inventory, and uh, once things like get back to normal, we'll we'll sort of start pushing that business out there again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you start like a a business like that?
2: Uh, I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> no. It just kind of happened. Yeah, if
0: yeah,
2: it's it's just something we we wanted to do, um, and we wanted to. Um, we really just did things out of like an abundance of caution because um, generally if you're if you're selling things at the level that we are like it's just considered a hobby mm. like you're not going to get like tax evasion you know charges or anything like that mm. Mm. Um, but yeah we were we were mainly concerned about like copyright law and stuff because we did have i think we have like a great um business name and we got a pretty sweet logo made for us um, so we wanted to protect those we like registered copyrights um, registered the business name and then we may have like filed like one other thing like that basically says that we exist
0: um, maybe we I'm
2: not sure if that's what you were trying to get at with your question no, but
0: that, that's important maybe we should do that with this podcast <laughs>
1: These uh, things are adorable. I am looking through the Facebook right now.
0: I yeah, love <laughs> thank Those you. Those are re- really cool. Like that's a really good idea. And
2: yeah, I think I think it'll only um, it can only get more successful too. Like we're limited at these events. Like and that's definitely where we do the the most business is putting these things in front of people and letting them touch them and put them together mm. and and squeal over it. <laughs> Um, you'd be amazed at how many like fourteen-year-old girls come up, and um, we have a lot of characters from uh, an anime called My Hero Academia, yeah. mm. and like uh, the the fantasy the the ships and the fantasies from that are just the people go bonkers for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're limited by what characters we have on hand. Um, so as we you know keep creating more and and building more than I think it can only uh, get better. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: how about the self-publishing? How does how does that work?
2: Yeah, so um, it's pretty simple, actually. Um, so I used uh, it's called Kindle Direct Publishing. Um, so it's it's Amazon's self-publishing um, platform. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I had written this book, like I kind of finished it. I had a manuscript. Um, I sent it to a couple publishers and it, it's very much like applying to jobs nowadays. Right. Like you send it out and you never hear anything ever again. <laughs> and, you know, it was my first book so I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to waste time like if it didn't have a chance of being picked up by a traditional publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went um, onto a website called Fiverr. And hired a freelance editor, um, paid them a couple hundred bucks to read through the thing and and proofread it, um, and then I got started um, with the Kindle publishing. And it's really um, user friendly. Like it gives you everything you need. Um, basically, it gives you like a template to format everything properly. Um, lets you upload a cover. You know. Just customize it as much as you want. You know, pick the the font size and the the trim size, and even like the color of the paper mm-hmm. and stuff. And then um, when you're ready to publish it, you sort of pick your royalty agreement, mm-hmm. um, and it varies a little bit based on like whether you want to like retain exclusive rights to things. And um, I just kind of pick the one that gave got me the most money back. (laughs) Um, which I think is like, they take like, so basically, so say I sell the book for $10. Mm -hmm. Um, it costs $4 to print it. So that comes out immediately. And then of that remaining $6, Amazon keeps like 30%. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a royalty based thing. And, um what's crazy about it and i think why it's taken off um as much as it has is that there's no like print like minimum order requirement so Mm -hmm. amazon prints my book on demand oh that's cool so if you went onto amazon right now and looked it up it would be on there and it would say prime shipping next to it Hmm. that book doesn't exist like, it's not, it doesn't physically, like, live in any Amazon warehouse anywhere. You press that button, and a machine prints the book and then ships it to you. It's, I, mean, I don't know if that's impre- as impressive as it sounds, but, um,
0: I think that's really cool. It's just,
2: yeah, it's wild. So. <laughs> 'cause then yeah.
0: then you don't like lose money if you like be like all right I'm gonna print a thousand oh, thousand printing. of these and then you ha- still have the thousand sitting sitting somewhere,
2: yeah, exactly I mean and that's why they've they've essentially like crushed the other um like self publishing um companies that are out there mm. because um those companies will like ask you for the money up front to print you know two hundred copies or something
1: right, yeah. That's awesome. Probably- I, I've heard I heard of them doing that for like t-shirts. Like some random, if you want a, like a meme or something on a t-shirt, it'll just sort of, you look on Amazon and it'll have a shirt with a picture of a meme. Even though that shirt never existed. There was no like shirt that had that thing. And it's just some random picture on a shirt. And as soon as you click the go button, it's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> huh. That's pretty funny.
2: Yes, and there's uh yeah, there's not too much else to the self-publishing. Um, it's really, I mean, it's kind of scary, like how um, little involvement like they have in it. Like, so I submit the final like draft to be published, mm-hmm. and it says you know this is under review, and then it'll be published after the review. Mm-hmm. And when I first did that, I was like, oh wow, like they're going to have someone like read the book, make sure it's like fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they just have like a computer read my book and make sure that it was a book right. mm-hmm. and then it was just published. Um, and apparently like they there's so there you can sell eBooks, you know, physical copies. And then they also have this Kindle unlimited program, which my book is enrolled in um, where you can just, Pay a subscription fee and read just as many like eBooks as you want, mm-hmm. and um, the writers actually get paid per page on that. Mm-hmm. So if you downloaded my book and just like read the first few pages and didn't like it, like I would still get credit for that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, so I think when this like um, Kindle Direct Publishing first started, uh, there were people that were uploading like thousand page books of just complete gibberish and then having bots get the free trial oh, of man. the subscription service and just flipping through it all day and these people were making thousands of dollars <laughs> oh,
0: man. people people are awfully creative
2: they really are
0: maybe we should do that just make a bunch of bots and listen that listen to our podcast <laughs> start running ads
2: probably help your help your numbers i know um some bands do that like on spotify they'll like tell people to just play their album on repeat just muted like overnight or something
0: That's 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 crazy uh well is there anything else that you can think of that we haven't touched
2: um no I think that covered pretty much everything we had planned to talk about. Um I did want to say like congratulations to you guys on the podcast. Oh. I think oh. it's really cool that you're doing it. Um I know as someone who's trying to like get people to pay attention to me online, mm. it's so hard to be consistent. Yes. Like <laughs> and you guys are putting out an episode every week which is uh, super impressive. Thank you.
0: Thank
1: you it's been it's been i will say it's been fun to like obviously like it was sort of novel for us to start with and we like had this thing that we made ourselves and we could be proud of and like put it on the uh just on pages and let people see it but i also um i've been <laughs> stalking the our guests afterwards <laughs> so you can look forward to that but um <laughs> I don't know. It's nice to get let people, you know, have their say because, like, you don't get the opportunity, even if they're your friends. Sometimes you don't get the opportunity to just say, "Here's an hour of me uh, talking," and you know, you can promote what you want, you can tell about what you're what you're proud of and what you've been working on. And I think, I, I did not think that that would come from this, but it's been one of, it's been a treat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like just just seeing. Uh, some reaction from people it's like oh maybe we're putting out a better quality product than we thought we were (laughs) hey i enjoy it thank you
2: awesome thank you
0: all right so thank you for being here logan thank you guys um so where can they find all your stuff because you do a lot lot of things
2: yeah let's let's just go through the list um so uh, first off, the book, Luca, uh, it's available exclusively on Amazon. Um, I suggest that you search uh, Luca Logan Russell to put my full name in it, um, because there is a uh, romance author with uh, the, the name Luca. <laughs> and uh, so if you just search Luca, like, you're going to see some torsos. <laughs> you're uh, you're
0: going <laughs> to see some torsos.
2: Yeah, so uh, Luca by Logan Russell. Um, if you want to see more of my writing, um, sci-fi uh, that's my blog, I post on there occasionally, free stories on there. Um, Facebook is Logan dash author I think the direct link is like, Luca by Logan, mm-hmm. You'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, for Couples by Design, um, we actually have that name, Couples by Design, on Facebook and Instagram and Etsy. You can check out our Etsy shop. Um, we even do uh, direct commissions on there. So if we if you have an idea that we don't already have, we'll make it. Hmm.
0: And I'll make sure to link all those in our description, so make sure if you're listening to it, check out those in the description all right perfect thank you so much logan
2: thank you thank you guys for having me
0: logan has left the building and also i got a delivery as we were recording and i'm gonna do an unpackaging
1: Oh no! We're doing an unboxing channel now.
0: <laughs> unboxing. Oh yeah, buddy! Can you guess what it is? No. With the the noise that I'm making. Wrapping paper. What's that sound like? Nope. Even better. Hang on. Oh yeah, this is this is some ASMR stuff.
1: An accordion made out of the uh, foil that balloons are made out of.
0: Nope. Here we go. I'm going to set it down right now. This is where it will stay for the rest of its life.
1: Macho man.
0: It's a mouse pad.
1: Oh, okay. Not bad. Finally got a
0: mouse pad.
1: Oh, you can finally win at uh, Warzone.
0: Yeah. Shout out.
1: Shout out, to, shout out to COD. Sponsored by COD.
0: Yeah, we, we've won two. We've won two. We're waiting for that sponsorship. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk shop. Uh... I thought that well, one. Have... Hey, I thought yeah. that went real well.
1: <laughs> I I agree. i we finally are a real podcast in that now we? we have we have a guest who has a book and we talked about his book. Yeah, we're a real podcast. <laughs> That's right, I... listeners.
0: <laughs> we're it, this is real. This is not a. This is not a simulation. <laughs> no um i have to say out of all the podcasts we've done so far Mm -hmm. which is now this is number 22 for those for those counting at home uh that was really productive (laughs) 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 don't you think
1: yeah i mean there was a lot
0: there's a lot that happened
1: yeah like the business side of things i thought that was that was extremely interesting and uh I didn't realize. I, I didn't exactly know what he did before coming on, and I might have thought really hard about the CRISPR question before I asked it, <laughs> probably in a haphazard way. Uh, whenever we were talking about sci-fi stuff, but mm. like, that's that was my jam. Whenever that was, a, whenever people were really worried about that, I was like, I was all anyone I could talk to about it. I would be like, "This is bad. Everyone, look!" But uh, <laughs> uh, missed. Sort of missed opportunity. I'm glad we got to talk about it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I will say when you guys were talking all that the sciencey stuff, I was I was following along on a thread.
1: I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I was just kind of like, okay, I can see, I can understand what they're doing, just like just barely though. I was yeah, just barely able I, to make it.
1: Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad you're here to say that because I I want to be I want to make that as open a conversation as possible. So. Right. Uh,
0: but, like, I yeah. I understood, like, the testing that he was doing was, like, there were a lot of big words that were used. Mm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was just basically they were testing the DNA to see if there was, uh, like, a uh, potential disease or stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was, so I was able to follow it that way. I was just kind of, like, waiting, like, letting you guys talk and then just kind of catching the small points at the end. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: But... Still, what that guy that um that guy being charged hundred twenty seven million dollars yeah, and I saw he was actually he could have faced 25 years in prison I'm
1: surprised he did, didn't did he was he charged and what was he well he was obviously charged do you know what he did he have to spend any time in jail
0: I don't think so I mean Logan said he said he was out. And he was like, uh, he
1: said he was on bail.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean I have no idea. Okay. The article didn't say yeah, anything I, about that.
1: I I <laughs> I think uh, white collar crime is under prosecuted. I know that's an entirely different thing, but uh, it doesn't surprise me if he did got off without much prison time. Mm-hmm. Um but I I would disagree with that. Right. Um that course but here we are.
0: It's also I- interesting like I don't know how how Logan spends his time, but like mm-hmm. I imagine being a molecular biologist requires mm-hmm. a lot of time and a lot of brain power. So mm-hmm. I he's got a lot of energy <laughs> to be able yeah. to be like uh well one get up early on a Saturday. <laughs> write a a blog write a short story you know make write a book Mm -hmm. and then also have another business on the side it's like that's a lot yeah it's like we make a podcast once a week (laughs) that's yeah there's (laughs) not there's not much to that i mean you're doing other stuff my job has been put on pause at the moment because of the coronavirus but it's like dang it's a lot
1: yeah Although I I sort of I can get writing for fun. Like I maybe if I have any more energy one day, I, I might also start a blog. I think that'd be a cool thing to have to at least you know, just sort of have the same sort of conversation we're having here except in word form.
0: I was thinking about starting one, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know where to start or something yeah. like that it's like do i do i start off by telling my whole life story <laughs> yeah and then like what happened that week go week by week or day by day
1: the way i think i've seen it done is you sort of like stake out a niche like you get really interested in something and then you uh actually i guess it's niche i keep on saying niche like a i pretentious, say niche. like a pretentious snob but i don't i don't think that's actually how it's pronounced we don't have to spend any time on that but um I think you like stake out your little claim on something that you know and care about mm. and then you sort of branch off from there wherever you need to fill in the background. But I because I, I sort of you know, I, I like commenting on science things that I can understand and politics things I can understand. And so maybe that's if I if I had to, I would I could write about that, but
0: I would just write about professional wrestling, but then again there's so many of blogs out there about that. <laughs> and hey I man you just gotta be the best one there <laughs> that'd be kind of difficult i also found it interesting the self the self-publishing so not not only that but what got my attention a lot was the t-shirt printing that you said mm. mm-hmm. that i didn't know that was a thing because yeah I'm... i think i
1: i think i heard that on a podcast it was like a gaming podcast that i listened to and uh I think that's where I heard it. I could have heard it from somewhere else, but I don't quite remember. But, yeah, that sort of took me aback the first time I heard it.
0: Well, I was thinking about putting our logo on a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> hey, man. I'd buy it.
0: I'd hope our listeners would also buy it.
1: That way we can tell when how we, many of the, them you are. Yeah. Whenever we see you, see you in the streets of downtown D.C., I'll say, what's up?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you won't exactly know what we look Well, you kind of will know what we look like if you – pay attention a lot to us but if not you'll just see this random guy hey what's up man nice shirt <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean at this point if you were uh, if you saw someone who also knew about the j&j podcast there is a like, good there's like oh, a man. two there's like a two or four percent chance that the person you're talking to is a host so <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> very true oh god Um, that's sad (laughs) uh
1: whenever we're millionaires and we have literally a billion followers that joke won't make any sense uh i the, the most interesting thing i think out of that whole thing was the genre of science fiction writing that wasn't out to push some sort of already um it's something thematic that you see in other books like you know the 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 struggle between good and evil like broadly is just the the theme by which all books operate mm-hmm. but i sort of i have a really i have an, a, an appreciation for the the speculative like just what happens the day after crisper for super soldiers comes out or something like that right i i think that's a because I, I, I think there's a lot of things that goes on today where you do something because it feels good or we do things because they feel good and uh, again I can't think of I can't think of any happy topics whenever I think about things like this but uh, I think about the public shaming thing again uh-huh where it's like you know day one it's you know it's all fine and good we're doing this to uh, people maybe they need some course correction but uh, You know, take it one, take it, uh, you know, to the next year, and maybe it looks a little uglier. Right. And the year after that, uglier still. And I think I, I don't think it's like a surprise that these things happen either. I think it's just something that if we took some time and thought through, we could see see what pitfalls not to fall into.
0: I mean, that also, there's a show that's kind of like that. It's called Black Mirror.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Which I didn't, I didn't get, I forgot to talk about. I mean i don't really know what i would talk about with it because it's been so long and there's each episode is different Mm -hmm. but that's kind of like what his sci-fi kind of reminded me of
1: right yeah i I wanted to um i didn't i guess didn't ask it explicitly but i was sort of wondering if he was uh writing books as like the dark side of scientific progression because that's that's sort of the genre i'm familiar with it's like uh any dystopian type novel is like they had this technology and they took it too far sort of attitude mm. <clears throat> but uh yeah i I think that's a under undervalued perspective,
0: yeah uh,
1: and I guess do you have anything else you want to talk about?
0: Not that I can think of
1: so. Oh. Well, okay, go ahead. Sorry,
0: I don't know. Uh, it's not. It's not related to the podcast. Never mind. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>
1: I guess you can tell me later. Yeah. Uh, um, I guess the last thing I just have written on my notes, um, was about the obelisk. Oh,
0: the 2001 yeah. Space
1: Odyssey. Yes. Um, I. As a literary literary device, I think that's like really cool. It's sort of like you know, this is the thing that takes you to the next step. But um, I sort of sort of think about that in the real life. That really doesn't that doesn't happen. Like obviously that's a that's a sci fi story. Um, but I just like thinking of and again my oh, oh boy.
0: Yeah my um, my cats are wrestling right now. I don't know if you can hear them. <laughs> I'm just watching them, making sure they don't kill each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of, you know, whenever you think about how life begins and it's such a it's a transition from where no life began to somehow there is life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since since it can't be recreated, like the thoughts of aliens have come up and like and I, I I don't. I don't know if that's a widely accepted theory, but it's a. Def, it's definitely a theory that has some traction. Right. Where it's like somehow life came from somewhere else, and but then you sort of get it like the chicken or the egg. It's like where did that life come from? But you know whatever. But
0: I didn't fully explain my theory. I realized, um, so it was. I'm not.
1: I'm not gonna lie. You were kind of freewheeling that. <laughs> I know. I'm glad. I I didn't have anything to grab onto.
0: I had to, I had to put, oh, you mean my theory, or like talking now?
1: No, talking uh, about your theory.
0: I know, but it's because I didn't have time to like, I didn't actually write it down. I just had to recall all of it. But (laughs) it, it started with, it came, the humans were from earth, right? Yeah. And they had to leave because they hurt the planet or something. Okay. Or the, the asteroid that came and hit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They had to leave because of that. And so now they're just somewhere out there. And then they're like, well, l- life is now all gone here. But, jeez, oh man. Can you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> they're freaking out. Um, they wanted to recreate it here. And so then they just put all the little biology things needed to recreate the start the basics of life because they yep. figured out how we were already made and i don't know it was just it's one of those things that i just like to think about and you know entertain yeah
1: well i sort of you know i think of everything in, in the billions of years sort of timescale when it comes to things like that and when i think of like you know the obelisk in the story is the thing that guides human progression it's like We're stuck at a barrier, and then we have to take that next step. But like, I none of those things exist in life. There's nothing that like we discover, and then things just kind of go after that. Like it's all, at least as far as what we can observe now, it's little progression after little progression. Like first there's um, electricity, and then there's um, circuits or whatever, and then there's computers, and then from computers we get other things and it's like i there's no i just think about the things that happen that are like happens like out of nowhere and there's no reason this thing happens as Mm -hmm. far as uh just human progression works and like i don't think there's anything i think the biggest one would be from no life to life but considering the the strides we've made since being a single-celled organism i think You know, maybe it's not that big a leap after all. I don't know.
0: I mean, the only way to really know is I'm going to get like real, real, real crazy. And because, I mean, if it were possible. I got scratched. (laughs) Yeah, I got scratched. (laughs) Ollie. (laughs) Almost. Almost broke our only rule of no swearing. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm gonna try to harness the, the pain, turn it into creative juices. <laughs> there you go. But um, I, I know we talked about it before when we talked about space a little bit, but um, it's going deep enough into space, and then somehow turning, like turning around and looking directly at the the surface of the Earth. The farther you go.
1: You have to go faster than speed of light of what you're saying.
0: Yeah. That'd be You go
1: faster than the speed of light to get to a certain point and then you look back and then the light that the is reflection. going slower than you. Yeah, yeah. the reflection from the, the reflection. Earth that was going slower than you. If you... you go further enough far enough back, you can get to the light that shows what's happening on Earth.
0: And you could literally see in the past. Yeah. At least I'm is that a hundred percent? Or is that so... what i know it's close
1: theoretically the only the real only barrier to that is going faster than speed of light Mm. you can't go faster than speed of light right but if you could yes that all would be true
0: yeah that's what's cool to think of that's why space is kind of cool
1: yeah
0: um all right now that we just kind of got lost in the sauce there yeah that was a i think it's time we end this podcast
1: (laughs) That's that's for the best.
0: <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the J and J Connection podcast.
2: If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. They are available wherever you get your podcasts from.
0: And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our email is all in the description below.
1: I'm pretty sure nobody listens to this part.
2: Give star rating.
1: Five Give stars. Us. Five stars only.
0: Five stars <laughs> only. Anything less is unacceptable.
2: <laughs> you want them to eat, right? What's that? Yeah, we want you to eat, right? <laughs> right oh, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're
1: out $20 so far. <laughs>